0: When it comes to our sinful nature, Pastor Xavier Reese says, you don't have to let your internal deprivation be your eternal damnation.
1: Man's daily walk is dominated by sin without realizing it. Sin in man is like water and gravity. Leave them alone, and their direction is downward. It's never upwards, but it is a choice. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. He said, she said, I was victimized. The devil made me do it. Despite the never-ending supply of offenders that you may want to implicate in the blame game, Pastor Xavier Reese says that just being born with human nature is enough to find each and every one of us guilty before God. However, there's hope for all as well in the transforming power of the gospel and it's that saving grace that we'll be hearing about on today's simple truths.
1: Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 3. The message is entitled Dead in Darkness and Depraved. Paul the apostle is so overwhelmed about the wealth of the believer by the love of God that he moves from his prayer for the Ephesians to describe the miracle of conversion. Chapter 2 gives us a beautiful contrasting picture of man's past life in relationship to his new life in Christ as a result of the power of the resurrection. There's the connection. He has just finished chapter 1 speaking about the power of the resurrection which has seated Christ at the right hand of the Father and he's above all principalities and power. The mighty power that raised Jesus up and sat him at the right hand in the heavenlies is the same power that raised up these Ephesians as well as you and myself, to sit us together in Christ in the heavenlies. The powers in verse 20 of chapter 1. The proclamation is in verse 6 of chapter 2. There's others, but those will do. Now, chapter 1, he declares the possession of the believer. In chapter 2, he declares the position of the believer. In chapter 1, the focus is a transaction of redemption. In chapter 2, the focus is a transition to salvation. And he moves in this direction. So what we want to do is focus on man's lost condition without Christ, which is revealed from three vantage points here in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. Let me read our text. And you... He made alive who were dead in trespass and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Man's lost condition is given to us from three vantage points. First, the dreadful state of man, verse 1. Secondly, the daily walk of man, verse 2. And then thirdly, the depraved nature of man, verse 3. Let's begin here with the dreadful state of man in verse 1. Notice first that Paul declares that they were spiritually dead in the past, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. There are different kinds of death, described in the Bible. There is a physical death when the spirit is separated from the physical body. It is appointed unto every man to die once and then the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27 says. There is no exception. I don't care whether you're black, you're white, you're pink, you're blue, you're short, you're fat, you're Mexican, you're Italian, you're going to die. Everybody's going to die physically. No one has ever gotten out of here alive. No one. There is spiritual death. When a person does not know God as his Lord and Savior while he is living. He that has the Son has life. He who has not the Son has not life. 1 John 5:12 says. So there's a distinction between those who know Christ and those who don't. I told you there's only saints and names, right? There is eternal death called the second death. Eternal separation from God for all eternity in the lake of fire, Gehenna. This happens at the end of the White Throne Judgment in Revelation 20, verse 14. Those who die without Christ. Now, the unbeliever is born once, but dies twice. Jude tells that, twice dead. He is born of the flesh through his parents once, he dies physically, and he dies spiritually for eternity. The believer, in contrast, is born twice, Once, through his father and mother, the natural birth, then secondly, through the Spirit of God. And he dies once. He will die a physical death, but he doesn't die a spiritual death. The only exception is those who experience the rapture of the church and they're raptured up, then we don't experience physical death. That's the only exception. Now, the basic understanding of death is that whatever is affected by death, that person or thing has no ability or capacity to respond. And so it is with spiritual death. You walk into a morgue and you speak to one of the cadavers there, and you tell him a sad story, and then you tell him a funny story, he's going to respond the very same way. (laughs) He has no ability. And so the parallel to life in the spirit. Man in his natural state, which is spiritually dead, cannot respond to God, Man who is spiritually dead has no ability or capacity to recognize their lostness, deadness, nor his or her ability able to respond to the things of God. Man cannot see, hear, or understand the things of God. And as a matter of fact, Paul says that they are foolishness to him in 1 Corinthians 2, 6-10. You guys and your soul, you guys and sin, don't you guys ever live? Yeah. We live now. Man without God is like the chaotic condition of the earth prior to the moving of God's Spirit, without form and void. Remember? (laughs) Aimlessly wandering, looking for that fulfillment, thinking this is it, putting notches on your belt, bragging, lying, working your way through the best way you can, and satisfying yourself saying it'll all work out. It sure will. At the end, it will all work out. (laughs) Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you will never see the kingdom of God in John 3.3. That is not an option. That is a requirement. If you're not born again, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The statement is in view of their past condition. Notice, and you who were dead, but now are regenerated by the power of the resurrection. There's the connection between the end of the last chapter and here. Notice the words made alive. They are in italics, probably in your Bible also. They have been inserted by the translator to complete the thought. The words do not appear till you get down to verse 5. In verse 5 it says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are being saved, or have been saved and raised up together, and made to sit together in the heavenly place of Christ. Verses 5 and 6. So it's implied, but it's not found till the fifth verse. So the connection is made there by. The translators. Now, notice the magnitude of the miracle. It is in the little phrase in verse 4. But God. If it wasn't for God, you and I would be lost for all eternity. There's the miracle. Every time you see someone born again, it is a miracle like no miracle you will ever see. It is a work of God because he is dead. Unless God had intervened, man would remain in spiritual death. Notice, secondly, Paul declares that their spiritual death and their condition was characterized by two things. Trespasses and sins. Now, the word trespass means to fall besides a person, to deviate from the right path, or to wander. The same word is used in chapter 1, verse 7, and chapter 2, verse 5. Sins, trespasses. Sometimes it's translated different. The trespasses are at times distinguished from sins as willful, decisive deviations, a mark of rebellion and self-will. You know what's wrong, but you still go ahead and do it. The word sins, harmashia, means to miss the mark, a shortcoming. The word sins occurs only this one time, and it's in the plural. So is trespass. The word sin is Used in classical Greek, of a spearsman who misses the target which he aims to hit with his spear. The word is also used by the Greeks in an ethical way for one who has failed in his purpose or to go wrong. I've told you often that it comes from a hoop of an English game. They shoot arrows through a hoop, and if you shoot it, you miss. They call you a sinner. You've missed the mark. Now we miss the mark because we're bad shots, we're fallen. Now, in our context, it refers to the failing to the measure that God has prescribed. Man cannot measure up to the life that God wills. It's impossible. It's like you expecting a cadaver and that morgue to respond to you. Sins focus more on our inability to be perfect or sinless due to the fall. We miss. We, we, we miss the mark. Even us as Christians, we're not perfect. We fail, don't we? I hope you know we fail. (laughs) Sin nature is there till the day we die. But we have power over it, as we'll see. Now, the scriptures tell us that God made Jesus to be sin for us, same word, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God made him to be something I was so that I could be something he is. That's a miracle. That's God. Man's spiritual deadness is much like a man who is full of cancer, but he's unaware of it. He's a walking dead man. That is why the scripture says that when a man or woman lives in pleasure while they're living, they're dead while they're living. 1 Timothy 5.6 Spiritual death during this life will culminate in eternal death in the next. Never forget that. Death puts us all in our place. Is your place with God or apart from God? Humanism has taken man by a storm today as he professes to be so wise and most of all so good, which is a philosophy of men that's empty deceit according to the traditions of man and the standards of the world. Colossians 2.8 warns us against that. The only problem with that philosophy is that society does not provide the evidence to back up the proclamation. In fact, the reverse is true. The overwhelming evidence of all that goes on in the world, condemns man. It's all around us. It declares that man is dead in trespassing and sins. As his sins bring about physical and emotional pain to his fellow man, social destruction and confusion, and increasingly more and more so each day, even to the point of physical death to those who they don't like. Teen pregnancies, molestations of children, fornication, adultery, drug abuse, AIDS, and senseless drive-by shootings are at an all-time high. Not because man is good, but because man is dead in trespasses and sins. God declared in Genesis prior to the flood that he saw the wickedness of man, that it was great on the earth, and that his intent of the thoughts in his heart were only evil continually, Genesis 6-5. I don't think that has changed. You know why? Because Noah got on the boat, and so did his kids, and they were sinners. (laughs) It started all over again. Only as man acknowledges his true and dreadful state of spiritual darkness and deadness regarding his sins and trespasses, there hope for him, as Ephesians 2.12 says, Therefore remember that in the times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, Stranger of the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's a dark description of man. Until you recognize that, there's no hope for you. None at all. Remember what Jesus declared in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 3. Poor in spirit is talking about poverty of spirit, recognizing your own bankruptcy to deserve God or to approach God. And you come as you are, and he cleanses you by his grace. Remember, but God. God is the one who does that. Man can only be aware of his dead condition by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says if man by wisdom could find out God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But he can't. That's the work of the Spirit of God. And so the dreadful state of man is that he is dead spiritually. That's the first viewpoint that he gives to us. This is the first vantage point of man's lostness. Now, secondly, notice the daily walk of man in verse 2. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works, in the sons of disobedience. Notice first Paul says, he declares here, that they once walked according to the course of the world. Identifying, don't miss it, the period. He's identifying the period here. The phrase in which you once walked refers back to the trespasses and sins, which is the usual practice of a person who is spiritually dead. It's reflexive to sins and trespasses. The tense of the word walk is is a historical aorist. In other words, identifying the former life. This is the contrast. The key word is once. Underline that. It refers to the lives and times past of the Gentiles. It's found in verse 2. Verse 3, verse 11, verse 13. Four times. It's only found one other time in chapter 5, verse 8. So four times in this one chapter. Times past, times past. Contrast to what? What you are now. Their walk is said to be according. A preposition which is in its root meaning down. The idea of being filled, dominated, or controlled by the course of the world. Remember? The word walk, parapetal, means to walk around with a progress in mind usually, regular lifestyle. But the context is going to tell you whether that walk is going somewhere, if you're born again, or if that walk is going nowhere, just around. It's like the word meandering. That's what it's talking about, around. You know that a river meanders because it's looking for the softest soil to cut through. When it comes across a hard area, it goes to the softest area. There's a picture of man in the world. He is walking around seeking the softest way through life, the easiest way through life, so that he can advantage himself. Man is a quitter and a loser apart from God. Now, there are some winner losers among losers, but still losers, all right? The apostle identifies their walk by the phrase, the course of this world, and the word course is age the generation period that they're living in, so that everybody who reads this will be dealt with specifically in their generation. Nothing new under the sun, is there? Here the idea is the spirit of the age at that time, the morals, the ethics, the social mores, and all that is opposed and apart from God in the present generation. Each generation thinks they got a new handle on things, right? Let me tell you, there are no entrepreneurs in sin. Nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. The sinful age is in contrast to the one which they were living in, now in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, but also definitely in contrast to the age to come when Christ will set up his kingdom. Notice the word world. It's the word cosmos. On the other hand, here he's identifying the fallen world system. Through the course, he's talking about the age, the period of that age, that generation, but now he's talking about The whole system which every age is part of. The word refers to the world order, the system that is debased from the order of God and bent on evil since the fall. By the way, we get our word cosmetic from this to bring things that are out of order into order. Cosmos. Okay? That's where you get the word cosmetics. What's so funny? We know that we are, as well as the whole world before Christ, under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, 1 John five nineteen tells us. And this offends the good moral pagan, the good moral person. How dare you tell me? Listen, I've told you often, God does all his fishing in the sewer. Don't argue with me whether you're a surface dweller or a middle dweller or a bottom dweller in the sewer. You're in the sewer, you're in the sewer. You're lost. Don't get offended. Get caught up that he cleans you and you don't stink by his grace. Notice secondly, Paul declares that they once walked according to the prince and the power of the air. Now he identifies the person. First the period, now the person. The word prince means first in order of persons or things. It is the title referring here to Satan who is the head of the fallen system. It refers to Satan who is the head of the antagonistic force against the kingdom of God. The person of Satan has certain powers, but they are delegated and limited by God as revealed by the book of Job. He says, you have a hedge around him. Bring it down. He says, all right, but you can only do so much. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4, he can't touch you. Why? Because you belong to God. The word power is exousia, means authority. The authority of Satan is primarily over demons, his emissaries that rebelled against God with him. Jesus is far above them. He told us in chapter one, verse twenty-one, far above all principalities, powers, might, dominions, every name that is named, not only in this age but the age to come. So that's been settled. So don't deal with it no more. Greater is He that is in me than He is in the world. Don't let the lies of some misinformed Christians that tell you that you're a Christian, that you can be demon-possessed, so pretty soon all you're doing is you're gathering together in the church of Christ to pay attention to Satan and to cast out demons. Listen, go to Galatians, save yourself some time, look at the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication. Those are not demons. That's you, 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 and you. You know what you do? You crucify it. You walk in the Spirit and don't make provisions for your flesh. That's all it is. Now notice thirdly that Paul declared that they once walked according to the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Identify now the power. The period? The person? Here's the power. The Spirit who now works refers to the principle of sin and trespasses. Sins and trespasses that had its origin in Satan. And now is operating in man through the consequence of what? The fall. Every person who does not know God, this spirit is working in the sons of disobedience. The spirit is a daily and deliberate source and influence with every person choosing to yield as a rival to the holy spirit in thought, word and deed. If he doesn't respond it's a choice against the kingdom of God. Antagonistic. The believer has been delivered from its power. He tells us that in chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, says, We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved Son. When? The minute you believe. Every person who is spiritually dead does not know God and is a captive of Satan to do his will in 2 Timothy 2, 26. Everyone. Every person who opens themselves up to the use of drugs, the occult, and many areas of the New Age movement, in particular channeling, is opening themselves up to demons. The identity of a person and the persons who live under such spirit are said to be sons of disobedience, those who stand in contrast to the adopted sons of God in chapter 1 verse 5. The word disobedience means impersuasable and uncompliant. That is man spiritually dead. The metaphors of stiff neck and hardened heart are used all throughout the scriptures for the rebellions of man towards God. Man's daily walk is dominated by sin without realizing it. Just as a drug addict who is dominated by drugs sin is addicting remember and every time you do a sin you get less gratification you've got to go a little further the law of demands and returns is very very cruel you see this girl boy she looks nice you want to date her so you know you get her phone number okay then you start talking then she goes out with then you hold her hand but next time you don't go to the hand you go to the the shoulder then after the shoulder you don't start you go right to the waist and there's a progression The law of demands and returns is very, very cruel. The more you do something, the less pleasure you get out of it. So you've got to go further, and sin takes you further down the hole. Sin in man is like water and gravity. Leave them alone, and their direction is downward. Nowhere else. It's never upwards. The blindness of unbelievers in no way detracts from the clarity of the gospel. The sun is no less bright because blind men do not perceive its light, John Calvin says. It is no advantage to be near the light if your eyes are closed, Augustine said. But it is a choice.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our time together, describing a very terminal condition, but with a reminder that we do have the choice to accept the healing. Now, more on that next time we get together. But for those who wish to spend more time with this study of Ephesians chapter 2 at your own pace and convenience, you can pick up a copy of today's message, Dead in Darkness and Depraved, for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD. Now, that title again is Dead in Darkness and Depraved. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us gauge the impact of this outreach in your area. Well, be sure and tune in next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese.